we've been doing this study called Set in Stone. I love this graphic. Uh, that was kind of the, when they first, I think it comes from Monument Valley. But I tell you, as this whole thing has unrolled, I, I've learned to love it even more. Because to me, the whole idea was this, okay, is how do you become solid and not changing? And, and the reality is in our life, Hasn't everything changed in the last, like, four months? I mean, in some ways, what used to be up is now down. What's down is up. And the whole idea that we're trying to talk about is how do we become so rooted and planted in, in Christ that we don't move, we don't change with every change in the times and the winds of doctrine that come along? How, are we, how do we set those roots deep in him? And in that, what we're really talking about are spiritual disciplines. So we've talked about the, the discipline of studying God's Word and being in His Word and putting it into our mind. We've talked about the discipline of community, that we need one another. We need people that we're pouring into, that are pouring into us. Well, we've talked about the discipline of worship, both corporately and then also personally of worship, a heart of thanksgiving as we worship our God. Uh, we've talked about prayer, the importance of prayer. Michael talked about the importance of praying God's word back, you know, to him, standing on that truth. Last week we talked about the discipline of giving. Today we're going to talk about the discipline of service. So if you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, before we go, there, there's just two things I want to remind you about. Because number one, my, my one concern that I have is that there are people that come in and they hear a sermon like this, and, and because they don't understand grace, their sense is, okay, so for me to know God, to be loved of God, to have a relationship with Him, then I have to serve Him. Or if it was a few weeks ago, then I have to read the Bible or I have to pray. And so I want to be as crystal clear as I can today, in case that's kind of where you're at, that you would understand that salvation, a relationship with God, uh, of knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you belong to Him, comes in one place and one place only, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not anything that you earn. It's not anything you deserve. It's not something that if you pray enough, then you get it, or you read the Bible enough, or you serve enough. No. It comes one place, by grace, by grace alone. And here's the cool thing. If you've not come to that point of putting your faith in Jesus and experiencing that grace, you can do it right where you are. Just right now, in your heart. You ask Him, He'll come in. Secondly, is for those of us who know Jesus, we've accepted Him by grace, we have a relationship with Him, that we look at spiritual disciplines with this eye towards that somehow if I do this, so if I serve him more or I pray more, I read the Bible more or worship him more, that somehow God will love me more. And that's just not true. He loves you. He can't love you anymore. You know, I grew up in an era where there was a lot of things that we were supposed to do like this, and then there were a lot of things that we were supposed to not do, right? 
I've shared with you before, it's almost like if you didn't smoke, drink, or chew, go out with the girls that do, you know, then you were a good Christian. And it's that legalistic mindset that my spirituality is based upon the things I do and I don't do. And I want to remind you again, that is not true. Spirituality is based on one thing, and that is our relationship with Jesus. You see, if you have the wrong heart, if you have a heart of pride, you have a heart of arrogance, you can read the Bible all the time. It's only going to make you more arrogant. It's not going to make you more Christ-like. You can serve, and, and you can get all puffed up about it, and, and it's not honoring, it's not bringing you closer to the Lord. Our relationship with Christ is, first of all, founded in grace, and secondly, it is now in that personal relationship as I come to Him with a humble heart. That's why the beauty of grace is that somebody who has maybe even walked in open rebellion a hard heart to the Lord, when they'll humble their heart to Him in repentance, all of a sudden they begin to grow and take off because, again, it's based upon our heart attitude. But when you and I are leaning into Jesus with a humble heart, these are the tools, reading the Word, praying, worshiping, community, giving, serving. These are the tools then that the Holy Spirit uses to continue to draw us closer to Him and to teach us like Christ. So, just want to remind that. Now with that, uh, one of the things that I enjoy doing, you know, I, I've known Jesus a lot of years, and, and so many years ago, somebody challenged me to read through Scripture. Uh, you know, try to get through the Bible in a year. And that's why I often encourage people, if you don't do it, it's a great thing. Because one of the things you can look for is you can look for, like, themes. And you can look for uh, just sometimes the uh, ties that are maybe not real apparent at first. And so this year, as I'm, re I'm, I'm reading a new plan, which, by the way, uh, YouTube's a or YouTube. You version Bible is a really good place to, to do this. The problem is they have too many plans, right? So like last year, I decided, well, I'm going to try a new plan this year. And I got, I'm, I'm on this really funky plan this year. And, uh, and so I'm actually just got through Matthew for the third time this year. Unique. But there's a theme that I've, I, I've seen this year as I've read, unlike, you know, I've, I've not seen it before, but there's truth. And, and it has to do with this idea of service, that often when Jesus talks about service, when Paul talks about service, when Peter talks about service, what they tie it to is they tie it to that day when we're going to see Jesus. Interesting. Uh, I mean, think of... Um, Think of Jesus going to Jerusalem, and remember James and John got their mom, well, we, you know, or she went on their behalf or whatever, but she came to Jesus and said, listen, when you come into your kingdom, right, that day, when you're established in your kingdom, could one of my boys sit on your left hand and one of my boys sit on your right hand? You remember what Jesus told her? He said, first of all, it's not mine to give, that's up to the Father, but here's the thing you ought to know. The one who wants to be great in the kingdom of God should be the servant of all. Matthew chapter 19, he's also talking about, hey, in this life you need to take up your cross, follow me, and God will reward you. And the disciples came to him 
later privately and said, well, what about us? We've given up everything. And Jesus said, hey, you've given up everything to follow me. And yes, not only will I make it up in this life, but also in the life to come. Because those that least in this life will be greatest. I was thinking of... Uh, Peter, who writes in 1 Peter to the strangers, the aliens that have been scattered because of the persecution. And he gets to chapter 4 and he says, hey, the end of all things is near. He's starting to wrap up the book, but just reminding them, the end of all things is near. And immediately he says, so you need to love each other and serve each other. And that's really the heart here in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you're not familiar with 1 Corinthians 15, it is the resurrection passage. It is Paul is taking on some of the conspiracy theories that there's no life after death, there is no future. And, and, and basically said, well, there's no life after death, and Jesus isn't raised, and Jesus isn't raised, then your faith is vain. And he goes and makes his argument of why we know Jesus raised from the dead. And in verse 50, this is what he says. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all, we will not all sleep, but we will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will put on the imperishable, this mortal will put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory over it all through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, therefore... Therefore, on the basis of the victory that we have in Christ, on the basis of the fact of our future resurrection, the one of these days that we're going to stand before Jesus, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What, what Paul is reminding them here at the end of this book is that we have got to be as Christians settled in our two worldview. At the heart of our Christian worldview is this, this truth that this world is not our home. We're just sojourning here. We're here on mission. We're here as ambassadors for Christ. But our citizenship is in heaven. This world is not our home. And what his whole point here is you, you've got to be steadfast, immovable. Steadfast means basically you're in a seat and you're not moving. This is where you're at. You, you, you've got to be locked into this. Why? Well, because the world is always trying to get us to get, us to get our eyes off of that. Our world wants us to get focused on the here and the now. Our world wants us to get focused on the, the stuff that's happening today. You know, live for today. Grab life while you can. You only live once, right? Live for today. Live for the moment. What's really funny 
is you, you know you think six months ago we would have been preaching this and we would have talked about all the stuff the flashy stuff that the world puts out there and now we we're sitting here in the midst of everything you know what the world's doing to us now it's it's like what's the panic of the day what's the crisis of the day get your eyes on the crisis right don't be looking at the fact that this world is passing away just get what's what's going to kill us now what's going to do this what's going to drive the economy down now it's just like live in fear no 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 Listen, folks, Jesus has conquered this world. This world's not our home. He says, my beloved brethren, you have to be steadfast, immovable in the truth that this world is in our home. We're living for another day. And that's exactly what Paul is reminding us of here. And in fact, the words that he uses here are fascinating. Verse 53 for this perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. What Paul is reminding us is that everything in this world is in decay. Remember what we looked at last week, Jesus' words of don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust corrupt and destroy? This world is winding down. I know some of you... Some of you don't have too many miles behind you yet. You know, you, the rubber is still good. And you're going, man, it's good. Others of us got a few more miles on the tread. And we begin to understand, yeah, this thing's wearing down. This body's wearing down. And we sometimes, what, what's, what happens is we get confused and we lose sight and we just think that, hey, this is going to be forever. This is not forever. This is a short period. In fact, the truth is, if you live to be 120 years old, by the time you get there, it's going to be like that. So don't live for this day. It doesn't mean that this day isn't important. It is important. But what we're called to do is to live for that day. We are called to live for the day when we will see Jesus. That is what is in imperishable. That is what is immortal. That's what you and I have the opportunity to live for today. Now the question is how? And Paul answers that by telling us to serve. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I love that word abounding there. Abounding has the idea of not just doing the minimum but going far beyond. It, it's really the same Greek word that's used in that passage in Ephesians where it talks about uh, how in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins uh, according to his grace, which he has lavished upon us. And lavished there is that same idea of abounding. It's just over and above. And that's what our works ought to be. Why? Because it's the works that we do for him, it's the service that we give to him that he says is going to matter. His whole point here is serve Jesus today. We are to live for that day by giving ourselves in service, by serving him. Now, question becomes, okay, so if, if that's how I live for that day is serving him, what are we called to do? And of course, the short answer is we're to make disciples. As we talk about it here, we, we've broken it down in a couple things. The first thing is we talk about reaching your oikos. Your oikos are your people. They are the people you do life with. It's a Greek term, doesn't just mean yogurt, but it means household. 
And it's those people you do like. And I, got, I was thinking as I was preparing this week, I probably have no better moment in history in all the years that we've talked about oikos, to explain oikos and to say, okay, who have you spent the most time with in the last four months? That's your oikos. That's your people. Why? Because we've been sequestered. So we're only doing life with a small hand group of people. Maybe it's the, the neighbors that you run into when you take the trash cans in and out. Maybe it's that person at work. Maybe it's that person that you just see every day. That's your oikos. And, this, and the thing about the oikos is this, is that God has strategically, on purpose, put them in your life for you to minister to them the life and the message of the gospel. You don't even have to go looking for them. They're just there. Sometimes they're there even too much, all right? But they're there. God put them there. That's his plan. And God has uniquely put you in their life as the best way that he has to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to reach the oikos. But then the Bible says, make disciples of all nations. And so now we've, we've got to go to all people you know, we can do that through short-term missions and find times to go. Quite honestly, the great beauty that you and I have in this is we get to give. And we get to support ministries. And uh, Just got a, uh, a video from Nathan. Many of you remember Nathan. He's our missionary that we support in Egypt. And they're reaching out to the Syrian uh, refugees that have come down and with this COVID thing they've really been hurting and we've sent a special gift uh, or two over to help Nathan do that and to help pastors there because they've lost all their income and we get to be a part of helping take the gospel around the world through our giving but then thirdly how we serve the Lord is by serving one another it's by pouring into one another it's by touching one another serving the the body of christ that is part of his plan and so that's how we do it now the problem is is this whole covid thing a lot of us had the ways that we served and now it's been taken away can i remind you that when covid showed up god's desire for us to serve didn't go away always abounding in the work of the lord is not on pause during covid it's like, okay, well, I can't serve that way anymore. How would God want to stretch me? And we've had to do this as a church, okay? We, we typically do it through services and everybody here, you know? Well, we can't have everybody here. So how are we going to do this? Do we just quit or do we, do we figure it out? Well, how about you? How do you continue to serve during this time? We'll always be abounding in the work of the Lord. We've always tried to talk some theology through this, so if I could give you one little simple point of theology in this, because every time I talk about service, there are some people I know that are sitting there going, well, Steve, that's good for you, because look, you, know, you can preach, or that's good for the, the people in the worship team, because they have this gift. No, he's given every one of his children what they need to serve. I mean, there's three things, really, that are absolutely fascinating. Number one... When you accepted Christ, he remade your heart, right? If a man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. We are now stamped with the DNA of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. You've been made new. You were created 
now in Christ Jesus to serve. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to what? Excuse me? Good works? I can hear the people at home better than here. Good, good works. We're created, that's what we're created for. That's what he made you to do. So he remade your heart for that. So when you and I serve, we're walking in alignment with what God has made for our heart. Secondly, not only did he create us that way, but he uniquely gave each of us a gift. I mean, think 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To everyone, the Holy Spirit gave a gift at that moment of salvation to work within the body of Christ. Peter puts it like this. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards. It's a gift. You were given it. Use it as a good steward of Jesus Christ as the manifold grace of God. So... He created our hearts to serve. He gifted us to serve. You know what the third thing is? He gave us his Holy Spirit. He gave us the power to serve. Remember he said, remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you receive power. Each of us has the Holy Spirit to empower us to serve. Folks, service is, is what we were created to do, to serve other people. Now, there's one thing here I, I do want to point out. That last phrase, knowing that your toil, your labor is not in vain. The, the, the word there, toil, the root of it has the idea of cut. It actually has the idea of pain. That this is hard work. There, there's calluses. This is, this is something that can be weary out. And, you know, we're going to talk in a moment about the joy in serving Jesus, and there is. But, you know, honestly, there's, there's pain in serving Jesus. Because you'll invest in people, and they won't appreciate it. You'll, uh, you'll really go out of your way, and people will, will let you down. Uh, it's not often convenient to serve the Lord. I mean, it's tough. I, you think later on in 2 Corinthians... Paul, verse, chapter 11, Paul talks about, you know, he, he starts recounting for them the number of shipwrecks, the number of beatings, the number of imprisonments, the, you know, the people who had defected from him. I can't help but think if that's not at the heart of what Paul is mentioning here, your toil. It's hard. It's hard work. Cost. But his whole point is, it's not in vain. Because even though the momentary hurts, this is what is imperishable. It's our work. So it takes hard work. So let me ask you, where are you serving the Lord today? Well, I can't. Well, my ministry's done. Okay, right, I get that. But we're four months in. So how am I serving the Lord today? How am I figuring this out? So it was really cool this week. Um, I, I went and picked up the mail and there was a little card that was addressed to Tammy. And, you know, periodically people will send me a, a, a note. And, and typically, by and large, they're very nice, sweet notes. Every once in a while, not so nice and sweet, but most of them are. And they're just encouraging because people see me up here and they say, Steve, man, man, it's been hard running through COVID and all this. And, and that's cool. 
Well, somebody sent Tammy, dressed to her, a note this week. And I tell you, just blessed her sock off. Because here's the thing. You know, people see Steve and, oh, Steve, whatever. And they don't understand that the pastor's wife, I mean, she's having to process through all this. And then she gets to process my grumpy side, too. And, you know, I get exasperated. I don't ever show that up here, right? I'm always smiling. <laughs> and somebody just took the time to write her a note and say, Tammy, we're praying for you. We appreciate it. I know it's been a tough season. Made her weak. I mean, she mentioned it to me a couple, three times. I thought, how cool that somebody who probably can't serve the way they normally serve, just trying to think, hey, how can I serve Jesus? I can send her a note. How are we serving the Lord? Let me finish with this. Uh, the wonderful truth is that when we live for that day, what we're promised is a reward. <laughs> my, my dad used to put it like this. He says, this, Christianity is the best deal you'll ever come across. He says, because on the first hand, Jesus saves you for nothing. And then on the second hand, he'll then pay you for everything you do for him. It, it, it's a cool deal. And it's true. There, there's great reward when it comes to serving Jesus. I mean, first of all, there's reward in this life. Man, there's joy in serving Jesus. We used to sing that song, joy in serving Jesus. Man, to follow after the Lord. And you see God work in people's life. And yeah, they're not all going to accept. They're not all going to do exactly what you want. But boy, some are really going to take off in their faith. And I tell you, the, the joy, the contentment, because quite honestly, you're living in alignment with what God's made you to do. Not only that, when you begin to understand this world's not your home, we're just here as ambassadors. So, man, every day, now there's a purpose to get up because I'm here serving the King of Kings, and what I do today is going to have value. It changes your whole perspective on life. It'll bring meaning and purpose. You're struggling with depression. Begin to understand this world's not your home. You are here on an assignment, and it matters, and, and, and he knows. Man, there's blessing in that. There's also blessing and the fact that the Bible says that God sees. And in fact, earlier in this book, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about how that on that day our works will be there and they're going to be tested. And those that come through, man, they're going to bring reward. He talks about it again in 2 Corinthians 5 that, that we'll stand before Jesus and all that we have done will be, will be recognized. What a cool, cool piece. Faithfully serving Jesus allows us to experience both blessing here and great reward over there. It's one of those disciplines. It's, it's what sets us apart as we think about how he's trying to make us like Jesus. Jesus' heart was a heart to serve. That's what he wants to develop in our life.